Without vision, the people perish. What you see is what you get. People who aim at nothing usually hit it. If the eyes are good, then the heart will be good. But if the eyes are bad, there are numerous sayings, biblical and unbiblical, that seek to remind us of the importance of vision. Vision lifts our head. Vision inspires. Vision reminds us of the why and the behind, the what. It's vision that sets the boundaries and engenders daily discipline. Whether it's starting the 10,000 hour journey to excellence or saving the world for Jesus. Good vision provides the why. Good vision matters. Good vision answers the key questions of who we are and why we are here. Don't panic. This is not a New Year, New You series. Our media at the moment is awash with diets, fitness regimes, well-being exercises, some of which is good, much is not. The New Year is a good time to reflect. It's a good time to look back and look forward. It's a good time to dream some dreams and maybe set some goals. But when we're talking about faith, We need to be careful because it can so easily become a list of do's and don'ts. It can so easily become a goal-driven exercise. Whereas actually we are about relationship. Christianity is about grace, not performance. Also to say that this vision series and value series is about who we already are. You may have noticed that in our little trailer, our graphics do not say, who are we and why are we here? They don't ask big questions. They actually make statements. It says, this is who we are. This is why we are here. This is not an accident. We are not trying to become something that we are not. This is not a spiritual get fit program. Rather, we are looking to grow up into who we already are in Christ. I'm often provoked when I read Paul's letters that he addresses these Christians, often these Christians who are a bit of a mess, to be honest. He addresses them as saints. He says in Romans 1, verse 7, to the saints in Rome. 1 Corinthians, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, to the saints in Corinth. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, you know they were not at all saintly. But Paul uses that word because that's who they are. The word saint is derived from the Greek verb hagiazo, whose basic meaning is this, to set apart or to sanctify or to be made holy. In in the Old Testament, this word is used to describe who God is. God is other. God is set apart. God is holy. God is separate. But in the New Testament, it's used to remind the people that they have been set apart. They are holy. Scripture tells us be holy because God is holy. Yes, we are being sanctified, and we'll talk about that later in the series. But we have been set apart. We're looking to remind ourselves over these six weeks about who we are in Christ already. Equally important in the fact that who we are comes before why we are here is the fact that we start with our identity and move on to our mission. 
We live in a world that operates the other way around. We live in a world that wants to know what we do, what we earn, what our job is, where we live. We live in a world that focuses on our activity and then defines our identity by our activity. Are you a mother? Are you a father? Are you married? Are you single? Are you an executive? Are you in the C-suite? Do you have a profession? We allow what we do to define who we are. Not so in God's economy. In God's economy, no, who we are comes first. Who we are will naturally lead into what we do. In fact, what we do will flow out of our identity. It's identity before calling. It's character before gifting. We are image bearers before we become kingdom bringers. Who we are shapes why we are here. Therefore, our strap line for this series says who we are. And why we are here. Now you might be listening to this, watching this thing. Simon, I don't even know if I follow Jesus yet. That's okay. We're on a journey with you. I hope this series, these six weeks, will help you in your discovery of who you are in Christ. You'll also notice, hopefully, we don't say, who am I? Why am I here? No, it's who we are. John Wesley famously said that Scripture knows nothing of solitary religion. The Bible is a library of books written out of missional community and for missional community. There is much in Scripture that shapes the individual, not least personal salvation. But faith is meant to be worked out at every level as part of a community it isn't just who am I it's who we are together we are defined by community and we help define the community that we are in we'll look more at that in a few weeks time we also need to remember that we are building on what has gone before In recent years, we've talked about our vision and our values in terms of two models of three. We've talked about 3D disciples, people who connect up with God, in with one another, and out into the world. And we've talked about three arenas of discipleship or spiritual disciplines. Temple courts, the big gathering, house to house, and life groups, and everyday devotional life. These three arenas of discipleship have sought to define the places that we've done, the things that Christians are supposed to do. Worship, pray, Bible study, communion, serving, giving, all that stuff. These two groups of three have been incredibly helpful and we're not abandoning them. But we need to recognise they're not vision. They don't inspire. They get my head down but they don't necessarily lift my head up. And our vision and our value should lift our heads up, should refresh and encourage. This doesn't mean that they're unimportant. These things are vital. At one level, these two groups of three represent our strategy and our structure. And strategy and structure are essential in making sure that vision and values are really worked out. 
Vision can be all up here and ethereal, and values can be very touchy-feely, but they have to be worked out in the reality of life. And strategy and structure are what help us do that. Jesus is the perfect example of vision getting grounded, of vision having some strategy and structure. The Word becomes flesh. In and through the humanity of Christ, the God of the universe gets down into the dust of the earth he created. The danger is that if we replace vision with strategy, rather than having a strategy that serves the vision, our lives can get very earthbound rather than world-changing. If we make the what the why, Duty replaces delight. And more tragically, works can replace grace. It can become easy to change the parameters of what a Christian looks like, what a good Christian looks like. Christian maturity, if we're not careful, can become a matter of how good we are at doing the Christian things. Christian maturity can be about how well I pray or how well I can understand Scripture rather than about actually following Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did. Now, don't mishear me. I want to grow in my understanding of Scripture. I want to grow in my prayer life. But if we replace vision with strategy, our heroes become the people who describe the kingdom rather than the people who live out the kingdom. Our churches can become centered around platforms rather than people and at its worst our church meetings become about entertaining a crowd rather than equipping the saints remember i'm not saying spiritual disciplines are unimportant we will reference them a lot but we want to remind ourselves in this series that our spiritual disciplines are relational consequences not religious practices Working on the spiritual disciplines, developing consistency and proficiency is important. But they're a means to an end. They're not the end in itself. They are the means by which we create an environment for our relationship with God to deepen and the fruit of the Spirit to grow and most importantly for the kingdom of God to break out. I want to understand the words so that I'm equipped to serve my church and my community. So what are we going to talk about? If we're not going to talk about prayer and Bible reading and worship, if this series is not going to be about how-tos, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, our vision is simple. Our vision is God. <laughs> we're going to look at God. Our vision is God and the outworking of his kingdom. William Blake famously said, we become what we behold. We become what we behold. The writer to the Hebrews wrote, fix your eyes on Jesus. We start with God and we finish with God. That is the way of scripture. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1, verse 1. 
And then at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, we read, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Behold, I am coming soon. Scripture starts with God and finishes with God. Our vision must be filled with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we allow God to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls, we will be caught up in him and in his kingdom purposes. God's heart becomes our heart. You see why reading the Bible and prayer and worship is important? Because they're the places that we do see God and catch his heart. We will start, therefore, by looking at God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will then look at how we can come into relationship with this God through his amazing grace. We will discover that it really is about God's grace towards us, that a God who exists in community has created us for community. A community called with kingdom purpose, and join together with the supernatural agape love of God. We'll look at seven words. Father, Son, Spirit, Grace, Community, Kingdom, and Love. Finally, well when I say finally, finally in the introduction to the introduction, it's not just about Sundays. Hopefully we've learned as we read through John last year that it is about incarnational life. It's about flesh and blood. It's about day to day. Our plan is not just to preach six sermons and for you to take notes. No, we want to live this out. We want to encourage you to dig into what we look at through a sermon on a Sunday. We want to encourage you to dig into that through the week. And therefore, we will provide a devotional every week to help you do that. I know some of you use our devotions already. Others have your own devotional plan. That's fantastic. But for these six weeks, I want to encourage you. We want to encourage you as a leadership team Get into our devotions. Discuss them in your friendship groups, in your households, in your life groups. We can't cover everything in six 30-minute sermons. We can't cover everything in 130-minute sermons. So some of the what now, some of the how to, some of the so what, we will unpack in our devotions. And we want to encourage you to dig into those. So that's where we're going over these six weeks where do we start well as we've already said we start with god we become what we behold in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth genesis 1 verse 1 john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god nothing was created without the word the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us scripture begins with god no explanation and no point to say this is where god comes from we start with god and that belief that starting with god changes everything because if we believe in God if we believe in a God who creates it gives us identity and value we are not a random collection of cells that have come apart uh, come up come about 
through this random process. No, there's intention, there's love, there's relationship, there's creativity. We were created. If there's no God, we're random. But if there is God, and if that God created us, wow, what an identity. We are created beings. We share a world with the animal and plant kingdom, but we are distinct from them. We share our creator, but only humanity carries the image of that creator and indeed a delegated stewardship of that creation. God is our creator and we are unique within that creation. We are unique in our image and our purpose. Who we are is not based in our productivity, it's based on our essential creation. We are image bearers. And in Christ, that image is most perfectly revealed. We refer to God often as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We get used to that order of expression, and it's a wonderful way of describing God. But actually, we're going to start now. We're going to spend some moments now on Jesus, on the Son. We start with Jesus because that's where Christianity starts. Christianity is a Trinitarian faith. One God in three persons. But it's viewed through the Son, through Jesus. We start with Jesus. Jesus points us towards the Father and promises us the Holy Spirit. Jesus declares of himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. And it is our vision of Jesus that will define us at every level of faith and practice. There are some incredible descriptions of Jesus in the New Testament. Let me read you one of them from Colossians. Colossians 1, verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 
If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, on of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow! What a passage. In your devotions, in our devotions this week, I encourage you to read through that passage a number of times. Let it flow over you as it describes Jesus. Jesus who displays perfectly both the image of God and the image of man created by God. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Perfect in his divinity but also perfect in his humanity. Through Christ, God has made himself perfectly visible. Though the fingerprints of God are all over creation, the fullness of God's revelation occurs in Christ. That is why we are Christians. The New Testament is about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. The temple and the sacrifices that took part therein are a shadow of Jesus and his ministry. As Paul writes to this church in Colossae, as Paul writes to us, he is reminding us who Christ is because he knows that who we are is dependent on who Christ is. Christ is where we find our identity. It's where our brokenness is caught up in the perfection of the Godhead. And through Christ being broken on the cross, we find reconciliation and restoration and resurrection and forgiveness and healing and salvation. We look at Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. And it is this Jesus who says to us, come, follow me. It is this Jesus who called those first disciples on the beach. It is this Jesus who commissioned those disciples. At the start of his ministry, Jesus calls them and says, come and be with me and I will make you fishers of men. He promises them relationship and then commissioning. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, we read, Jesus says, Go and become fishers of men. Make disciples and I will be with you. He starts with, come and be with me and I'll make you fishers of men. He then says, go and be fishers of men and I will be with you. It is relational. It is relationship. We are not trying to get better at some religion. That's not our core value. Our core value is relationship with God through the Son. That's who we are. We don't move from that place. Maybe you're thinking, oh, but Simon, it's great to see who Jesus is, but, but I'm just too broken. The amazing thing about the call of Christ is that he only calls broken people. Brokenness is the way in. As we'll see when we look at grace, if we don't know we're broken in sin, dead in sin, there's no way in. Jesus said to the religious hierarchy of his day, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, it's the sick. 
Jesus came to seek and to save. Jesus was, of course, being ironic because they thought they weren't sick. Even though he knew their sickness was their religious pride and arrogance. He loved them. He's trying to call them. Jesus loves us in our brokenness. I don't know how Christmas was for you. I'm sure for some it was wonderful. We had a fantastic time. But sometimes it exposes our brokenness, doesn't it? The relationships that don't quite work, the bits in us that don't quite work. We're here at the beginning of this series as we look at who we are, why we are here. Hear this. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus. Not instead of our brokenness, or not despite our brokenness, but because of our brokenness, God wants to redeem us. God wants to restore us. And the way he does that is he declares restoration over us. Remember where we started? This isn't a serious to discover who we are. This is a discover to remind us of who we are in God already. Saints, people set apart. God sees us as he sees Jesus. Isn't that incredible? We are saved. We are restored. We are reconciled. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And out of that identity, we can be who God's called us to be. We start with the Son. Our vision is to follow Jesus and do the things that Jesus did. Our vision is to do that in the way that Jesus did it. Jesus' identity was clear. Jesus knew who he was. The Father, as we'll see next week, spoke over him. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Remember, purpose, action flows out of identity. And Jesus is the perfect representation of that. He knows he's loved and therefore he serves. You're loved. Therefore you can serve. Our identity is secure in Christ. We are image bearers, reconciled to God, restored to God in Christ. And therefore, as we'll see, we can be kingdom bringers. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you define us. We thank you, call us by name. We thank you, call us because you love us, not because you've got stuff for us to do. But in relationship with you, we have glorious opportunity to bring your kingdom. Lord, we pray that through this day, through this week, through these weeks, you would catch us up afresh in who we are and why we are here for your glory and for our benefit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.